Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome in to Critical Thinking, Andrew Coppins, Pat Only. Hope you're ready to put your critical thinking caps on because we have a lot to talk about on today's show. Joe Biden went on 60 Minutes last night and it was predictably terrible, horrible. We'll talk about that. Of course, the B or not the B is coming your way. And uh, what about the um, flying of migrants to Martha's Vineyard and, and elsewhere? Um, the liberal hypocrisy, the... Um, Love is love. Everybody is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Humanity this, humanity that. <laughs> Just not in my backyard. We'll talk about that. And are, are the right, is the right, is the, or are the governors of Arizona, of Texas, of Florida, are they doing the right thing morally and in terms of fighting communism and other things? Um, Reason had a interesting article so we're going to talk about this we're going to critically think through um not just the politics not just the policies but the humanitarian side of this and much much more in the second half of the program again i'm andrew coppins he's pat Oni. follow me i'm at the coppins show follow him he is at the pat Oni show oh wait, wait i'm sorry pat um should not assume your gender i'm so sorry dude how many times I got to tell you, I'm a guy, I'm a man. You're not quite 40, though, like Mike Gundy. Still one of the greatest uh, sports moments of all time. Um, I, I, You're right. I'm not quite 40, but uh, of the two of us, I do have a beard. You are a beard, yes. And with that, Pat, um, last night, like... <clears throat> We, we've had this premise about Joe Biden and, and his run for the presidency and 
since he became president. <clears throat> totally legit. Um, but we've had a theory, right? That politically speaking, the best thing, the most expedient thing that he has done and can do is hide, right? Because what was the theory? The more that you hide him, the less the American people are exposed to his slippage in terms of mental and cognitive capabilities, okay? And physical capabilities, by the way, because if you watch him and you watched him in, during that 60-minute interview, you can see him shuffling his feet. And, and, and I hearken back to watching my grandfather, right, and some of the things that were going on when he had Parkinson's disease, both mentally and physically, where there are days where he couldn't unclench his fist. There were days in which his feet were shuffling. And then there were days where he was totally fine, limp, you know, totally limber, totally with it. You know, moments like that existed, too. And that's exactly what Joe Biden is doing here. And, and we noticed the slippage. And, and that's why I think it was a politically expedient and smart move to hide him during the election cycle. Right. And to continue right. to not expose him as much as humanly possible <clears throat> to that constant reminder of how cognitively declined he really is. Right. We, we've had that as our right. as our premise. So I I also will say this. I totally understand why they went on 60 Minutes. It, 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 it's same team, bro, right? Same team, bro. Right. Right. There's just a slight problem with it all, Pat. Just a slight problem. Um, <clears throat> not even CBS could, could hide the insanity of Joe Biden. We've got three clips that we want to play here because Biden gave me a say what moment on inflation, China, and running for president in 2024. Which one of those three, Pat, would you like to take first? I'm going to let you choose. See, see, you're going, you're going basically eeny, meeny, miny, mo on this one. Yep. Um, can we go in order? Like, which one happened first? I don't know because I didn't watch the full interview because my Green Bay Packers. See, were I didn't playing. watch it either. Right, because Dang my it. Green Bay um, Packers were uh, beating the tar out of the Chicago Bears. And by the way, the Bears still suck. You, uh, by the way, um, I, I, as 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 someone that is not a Packers or a Bears fan, I, I have to ask a question because I saw this last night and I thought it hilarious. Mm-hmm. How many wins now is that against the uh, Chicago Bears? For whom? Uh, is it is it Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers? Aaron Rodgers is twenty three and five now against the uh, Chicago Bears. By the way, well, 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 there was some. There was like a stat of like a hundred and fourth wins, hundred and four yes. wins. We have one hundred and four wins in the series, and and that is more than the Chicago Bears have had now. It took us the last 30 years to catch them because we were so freaking terrible in the 70s and 80s um, that we regularly lost at least once, if not twice a year to them. Um, but yes, we we lead the all-time series. Yeah, we have 104 wins in the all-time series. To what? Let me check. Know? Let me check, Pat. 
All-time record for the Packer Bears. There's been uh, 205 meetings with Green Bay winning 104, Chicago 95 with six ties. Interesting. By the way, the largest right. margin of victory, if you're curious, 61 to 7 by the Chicago Bears in 1980 before I was born. Mm-hmm. Well, when when Justin Fields only throws for 70 yards, is that bad? That, that's bad. Now, is it also bad that I take pleasure in uh, immediately t- turning on um, local Chicago sports radio immediately after the ass whooping that they just got and laugh until I fall asleep? Is that bad? <laughs> no that's hilarious because oh my god it was hilarious to listen to we can't even pass for a hundred yards how many quarterbacks have passed for 600 plus yards after two games and the lady's like yeah um the the leader is tua tagovailoa right he's got like 750 yards (laughs) the other the the lady yeah the the other guy who by the way is a former packer john yurkovich uh won't I uh, was on the uh, Super Bowl winning team. Um, had a ten year career, also famous for playing in Jacksonville, and I think he played in Chicago for a couple of years. But that's neither here nor there. Um, he literally goes, "Wait a minute! You mean that's one hundred times the amount of yards we have passed for in two weeks?" <laughs> yeah, hey, that you bad? Know, your Packers. At least your Packers won last night, though. I mean, the Ravens blew a three touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. My fantasy football team thanks you, by the way. Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I mean, my, my, mine still won, but... Yeah. Um, Rashad Bateman also yeah. on that team. Mm-hmm. That's a nice nice one-two punch there in that game alone. Now, having said all of that, uh, Pat, still, you have yet to choose. China, uh, inflation. L- 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 let's start with... Let's start with China. What should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? We agree with what we signed on to a long time ago, and that there's a one-China policy, and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence. We are not moving, we're not encouraging them being independent. We're not, let, that's their decision. But would U.S. forces defend the island? Yes, if in fact there was an unprecedented attack. After our interview, a White House official told us U.S. policy has not changed. Officially, the U.S. will not say whether American forces would defend Taiwan. But the commander-in-chief had a view of his own. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir, U.S. forces, U.S. men and women, would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion? Yes, what did, did he just actually say that, hey, China, you, you attack Taiwan, we're going to go to war with you. Did, did, did he just say that? Yes. Bucking the official position. Notice, notice how immediately after this part of the interview, they had to like stop. By the way, um, there's some video floating. And I just didn't have time to get to it. But like basically they stopped the interview at that point. And had to correct it, right? And that's the portion of the uh, of this video in which they voice over the the White House's official position is blah 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 blah. <clears throat> There's a reason why this is so dangerous. It's because his cognitive abilities are so declined 
that he just says whatever the hell comes to his mind at any given point. This is some like third world, you know, dictator bullshit. This is unreal from a president of the United States of America. Because it would be one thing if we've had this discussion as a country and we have come to some sort of a solution as to what we believe, right? But I'm not sure that we've had this discussion as a country, let alone, I don't know, even in the halls of Congress, uh, you know, uh, town hall with your congressperson or senator, right? Like, what what is going on? Like, I don't understand. I really don't. Uh. This this White House has one thing going for them right now with this whole China thing, and that is China's economy is not doing too hot. Yeah, um, but you see, Pat, that's a problem. Because think about I this. didn't say it wasn't a problem. See, but I'm just well, saying why would that why would that be a good thing? But why would that be a good thing for the Chi- uh, for the Biden administration? Why? Because they're not going to war with with Taiwan anytime soon. Okay. Stud, let's let's go backwards in history, Pat. Let, let's let's uh-huh, play this uh-huh. out. Okay. 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 Every single war since the Civil War. Okay. Every war since then. Name one of yeah. them that hasn't happened because somebody is in a bad economic situation. Name one. Uh, were we in one in World War I? Nope. World War I was a bad economic situation for the Austrian-Hungarian Empire. They were losing their grip on their economy. Hmm. The answer is none of them. And that includes the Civil War, by the way, because, yes, the Civil War was definitely fought largely because of slavery, but it was because, right. because slavery was integral to the southern economy, which was being crushed because of the industrialization of the country, right? The industrialization right. in the north was beginning to turn and churn their economy 10, 15, 20, some cases 50, 100 times faster and better than what was going on in the plantation uh, slavery-born south, okay? Right. Then you look at... Uh, World War Two, definitely economic reasons for World War Two, along with the other things. People, people just assume that America got into this war because uh, humanitarianism, right? And because they knew, no, we we honestly had no idea about the the depths of the concentration camps until we started liberating them. People don't realize that today. Like they they just look at right. um look at it through the prism of I'm looking at it from a 360 degree view. I'm looking top down on on World War Two and and holy concentration camp, Batman, right? We didn't know the, the depths of these things until we started liberating them. We, we didn't do this for humanitarian reasons. We did this for economic reasons, by and large. That's why Germany began to ramp itself up, you know, all of these other things. So, so let's, let's back. I wanted to backtrack on that because of this, right, Pat? China has their economy on fire, a la that, uh, that building that was on fire in a city of 10 million people this past weekend. Do you see that, Pat? I, I didn't see it, but it's like a 52 story it. building just went up in flames. Right. Now, luckily, I, I mean, we don't know any death toll or anything like that because I haven't paid attention to the story, 
on the last 24 hours, but I mean, holy smokes, literally. But I bring this up because you brought up the point of, well, why would they go to war with Taiwan or over Taiwan? There's your there's the catalyst for this. Is there economic issues, right? Because if they can take Taiwan, what is Taiwan the first in? Semiconductor business, right? Right, right. So that would help the faltering state-controlled semi-capitalistic society that they live in. Right, it would help. So to take that and to distract the people, right? Look at Russia. Every time they went to war, it was not over ethnic reasons. It was not over geographic reasons. It was always over the economy. And what can this group or this area bring economically to the table? <clears throat> it's about power. China is feeling its power gaining while its economic side is faltering. Why? Because they have influence in Africa, because they influence the Middle East. Now, Russia and China are at loggerheads too, by the way. Most people don't know that. So I I see the the <clears throat> I see the point of, oh well, why would you do this? Why would you put yourself in a in a even worse economic situation? But think about this. We were in the depths of a Great Depression, and almost every economist will tell you that we probably still would have been in the Great Depression into the 1950s if it weren't for the fact that we had to ramp up manufacturing in a massive, massive way for the war effort in the 1940s, right? When we enter the war, we're still in the depths of all of that, you know, so we come out of World War II with a very strong manufacturing base that's based off of wartime production, right? And people um, understanding how to produce in ways that they didn't prior to the war. And then you get into the population boom that happens in the 50s, 60s, and into the 70s, right? Well, 50s and 60s, really. So we, we take a look at that and you wonder, oh, huh, okay. You know, the baby boomer generation. So I look at this from the prism of economically, it makes all the sense in the world for China to do this. The reasons they wouldn't do this are geopolitical. They're not economic. Why would you give them anything? Why would you tell them this? Why? Why would we as America say, guess what? If you touch Taiwan, we're going to kick your ass. Why would you do that? Um, which I, I, I sincerely question this administration's ability to kick China's ass. Outside of going full on, outside of we're going to, we're going to Hiroshima and Nagasaki your ass, right? Unless we're willing to fully go to war, not the half-assed versions of Afghanistan and Iraq. Right. Right. Unless we are willing to not just defend Taiwan, but go to mainland China and kick the tar out of these people. I agree with you 100 percent. I well, And even then, I mean, China's got nukes and crap, too. I mean, they can Hiroshima and Nagasaki as well. Right. Mutually assured destruction. Right. But we don't we don't know. 
right? We don't. Mm-hmm. But why are you poking the bear here? Why? Right. Right. I, I don't understand this from the president. And again, my premise with him has always been the cognitive decline, but also everything that he does in foreign policy is bad, wrong, horrible. Do the exact opposite. It's just that simple. Do the exact opposite. Now, speaking of opposite day, um, what if I told you uh, inflation is not bad and uh, Biden gets it? Um, it's a cold day in hell. That's ah. for sure. Mm. Mm. Well, we have this from the 60 Minutes interview. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. The stock market nosedived. People are shocked by their grocery bills. What can you do better and faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Inflation rate month to month was just uh, 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 just an inch, hardly at all. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not you. Maybe I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2 percent. It's been the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But guess what we are? We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It is just barely it's been basically even. Now, I have to stop it right there because he also goes on a little bit further into his explanation to talk about the unemployment rates and um, how things have have gone down. The price of energy has gone down. Yeah. If I told you that uh, that your car cost sixty thousand dollars and it went down to fifty thousand dollars. Sure, you're spending less money than you were a year ago, right? But what if I told you that that car three years ago cost you thirty thousand dollars, <laughs> and it's all because of the inflationary rate? I, I just what the gaslighting from this administration, Pat, is just beyond the pale. This isn't just um, trying to, you know, make chicken salad out of a turd sandwich, right? Or making chicken salad out of chicken bleep, right? That's worse. This isn't that. This isn't like trying to cherry pick a few numbers to tell you how great things really are. This is, don't worry about inflation because of your lowering energy costs, which are still two times what it was when you came into office two years ago. I, yeah, I just, tell tell that to people in California right now and tell that to your average American citizen who is struggling to make certain mm-hmm. ends meet because all these prices have gone up on them and it's mm-hmm. not what it was two years ago. Not even close. Yeah. And, and not to mention the fact that in some housing markets, you're up 50, 60 percent on your price point. Which, by the way, um, if you're looking to invest, Chicago is actually not a bad investment area because of the um underappreciation of homes in the area. But that's neither here nor there. Advice brought to you by Andrew Coppins, realtor, licensed here in Illinois. Have to tell you that. Um, now, just just what? Just, I, ah, I, I don't get the messaging here. I don't. I don't understand how this is, because this isn't just Joe Biden speaking off the cuff, right? He's prepared for this. You look at Corinne Jean-Pierre, right, last Friday, um, talking about the inflation numbers, right? And she literally was doing exactly what I did, right? 
um, uh, 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 for like three minutes. And it wasn't Peter Ducey asking the question either, by the way. It's just, I understand that you would like to message and make chicken salad out of chicken bleep, right? But that's not what you're doing. The, the, the way to do that, by the way, if I'm going to give advice to the Biden administration, the way to do this is to empathize with the American public and and then say, you know what? We're going to do the things that government that we know government can do to help alleviate this inflation. And that means we are going to rein in our spending. That means we are going to stop printing more money. That means that we're going to take our fiscal responsibilities seriously and, and begin to help the process. That's all you need to say. But instead, these people are spending money like it is going out of style. It, it, it is unbelievable to me. It, it is a simple message to the American people because here's the reality. The American people will deal in the truth. If you tell them the truth, they can handle it. Because they are experiencing it every day in their own lives, right? Like, hey, I recognize, I empathize, I understand these things. But here's the reality. Government can control only a certain amount of this, right? We have no control over shipping. We have we have very limited things that we can do when it comes to these things. And that includes, well, we're going to look at regulations. We're going to look at our monetary supply. We're going to look at the amount of money that we're spending versus what we're collecting, right? And are we contributing to the problem? as government. In the areas in which we could be contributing to the problem, we're going to stop contributing to the problem. That is a simple message. In fact, I would say that the Republicans, Team GOP, heading into the election here in 2022, heading into 2024, the refrain for the next two years should be empathy and rooting out the problem and just be honest with the American people. Because the reality is that in a capitalistic society, in any society, by the way, that includes communism, that includes feudalism, you're going to have ebbs and flows to the economy. It always happens. You can't control your way to just steady growth all the time. It doesn't work. It can't work. It's just dumb. So message correctly. It, this isn't hard. And they just keep getting in their own way. Speaking of getting in their own way, Pat, we've got this third one here. Uh, and, and I want you to comment on this and what I had to say about inflation together. Okay. Sir, are you committed to running again? Or are there certain conditions that have to be right? Look, if I were to say to you, I'm running again, all of a sudden, a whole range of things come into play that I have uh, requirements I have to change and move and do. In terms of election laws. In terms of election laws. And it's much too early to make that kind of decision. I'm a great respecter of fate. And so what I'm doing is I'm doing my job. I'm going to do that job. And within the time frame that makes sense after this next election cycle here, going into next year, make a judgment of what to do. You say that it's much too early to make that decision. I take it the decision has not been made in your own head. Look, my intentions I said to begin with is that I would run again, but it's just an intention. But is it a firm decision that I run again? That remains to be seen. 
<laughs> How can I say I'm running without saying I'm running? But also, if uh, if we get our ass handed to us, I might not run. Well, I don't know. That, see, that's not how I took it. Um, I, I could see, I could st- definitely see that an argument, but that's not how I initially took it. The what is what is one of the things I've always said about politics? I don't know. Timing is everything. Yes and no, in this case. But yeah, I'd love to hear your argument. So, so on one hand. I could see if he announces right now, that's not going to necessarily be a good thing for his agenda going forward. However, if he says he's not running in 2024, wouldn't that give your party, your base, your whatever you want to call it in this case, the opportunity to find your replacement rather than just Kamala, right? Because we all know that Kamala sucks. The smartest thing that he could do right now is if he's not running in 2024, is to say that he's not running in 2024 for the future of the White House and, and the leftist agenda. Well, right. So to your point on timing, this would be the worst time for him to say that. Yeah, you, you need to wait until after the election to say it. Well, sure. But I. I'm not saying like like literally right this second. I'm just saying like near future. Yeah, I would say by January of 2023, if he's not running to to say it. But what, what I'm saying is, is that, say that he's using the 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 crutch, if you will, mm-hmm. of well, there are certain um, election law things that get triggered. Blah blah blah. That's never been a stumbling block or it's a never been a stopping. Yeah. Not only that, but you can ramp up the fundraising right now. Uh, like what? What would be the downside of, of announcing that you're running for the president in 2022? Other than you're now you you announce it on 60 Minutes, right? And you're still in the middle of a midterm election. So yeah, timing right. is everything. I think after the midterm election, right? He might say something, but I also took it from this perspective. If he knew that he was running, he would be more firm in his um, obfuscation of yes, I'm running, right? You notice that like yeah. he he never really he never really went the I'm not saying I am but I am. He he went the route of I'm not sure. And I I took away this. He is receiving pressure to not run. It's very clear because again, there's no confidence in in any of the answers any of the answers that he gave when Scott Pelley was going after him on this. And, and that that was apparent I, I also think that, you know, if, if he's being pressured to not run, who is he being pressured by? And, and I, th- I think that a lot of that comes from the voting base. I think a lot of that comes from the party. I think a lot of it comes, well, it from, comes from the people. Of the it money. comes from a lot of places. It just comes from the right. people with the money. It's just as simple as that, Pat. The people with the money, the people who are generally going to run the PACs, who are going to fund his campaign, are saying, ah, hell no. Like, no, dude, sit this one out. That, that's what's well, I mean, going have on. Have they got the return on their investment already? Well, I'm sure some of them have because what is one of the other universal truths about economic hard times? Those who understand how to build wealth will continue to build wealth. But have they got a, have they got a return on investment in of course Joe they have. Biden? Of course they have, Pat. How have they not? 
the the green new deal if you will right the right you know that the insane boondoggle of the education funding right or not not the education funding but the um the education um the the student loan forgiveness program again who does that benefit it doesn't benefit the middle class it benefits the wealthy because the wealthy know how to put on paper a very low income right notice how it was tied to income and not your wealth right not all right. of your assets right. it's just your income okay great i can make my income say anything if i'm wealthy right i like my income goes to an s corp that pays me and it, the rest of it just sits in my s corp hmm. right well on paper i only made 60 grand no i didn't <laughs> do you know what i'm saying like um <clears throat> it's just insane so so when i look at this i look at that from that perspective right of that's how i see it right his answer tells you everything about he has no consolidation of power and no consolidation of backing to run in 2024. If he did, he, well, there, there's no there's no downside to him saying, yeah, I'm going to run again because I'm proud of what I've done so far. I can't wait to win in the 2022 midterms and continue our agenda going forward. We have a lot of work to do and I can't wait to do it. Right. There, there's no right. there's no harm in doing that right now or even a few months from now. Or saying, right. you know what, I want to wait, uh, I want to respect the midterm election cycle, and I will have a decision after that. How hard is that? Well, the the, the other part of it, too, uh, I question here is his health, right? His overall mm -hmm. health. Is, is that playing a factor in him being able to say... Yeah, but these idiots, these idiots surrounding him, starting with his mm -hmm. wife, starting with his son, starting with all of his other family members that grift off of him and use the power and influence of his presidency to make money. They're the ones propping this up. Seriously, they're disgusting human beings in my book. They are the lowest form of scum because they are using a cognitively declined man. This is akin to the, you know, 20-year-old blonde playboy model marrying some rich oil tycoon who's senile and then getting him to change the will to make sure that she becomes multimillionaire after he croaks and doesn't care about anything else, right? Doesn't really care about the relationship, doesn't care about anything. These people are in it for power, fame, and money. That's it. That's what these people are. Hunter Biden, Jill Biden, because I refuse to call her a doctor. Yeah, she's, she's got a doctorate. Congratulations. whoop de doo a doctorate in English? Whoopi Goldberg says she should be the next Surgeon General. Now, all of that being said, Pat, that, like, what was the what was the point of this? Like, the only, I don't understand the need to go on sixty minutes or talk to any press right now. I don't. If you're Joe Biden, I don't understand it because all you there there's nothing but downside here. There was nothing but downside, and we saw it, right? He basically said, well, well, China, go to war, right? Like, he just invited war with China. He just showed he has no clue what's going on with no empathy for the American people. None. Zip, zero, zilch for what's going on. No clue how to deal with it. And then, well, I don't know if I'm going to run. Gee, boo-boo. How about another big league basket? What the? I just... <laughs> Right, exactly. Like that's he's out to lunch, right? 
I mean, like, <laughs> what? Like, I, G. Scott Pelly. And, and I will give Scott Pelly credit. He at least was asking questions, but notice how he was like, I, I noticed on Twitter, the right was like, oh, Scott Pelly was nailing uh, Joe Biden to the wall. No, he wasn't. If no, you listen to the questions, he was lobbing softballs at him so that he so that Biden could hit them out of the park. And then when Joe Biden decided to bounce a dribbler to uh, to second base for an easy out. He went, dude, what? Here's here's a lifeline like what? And then he wouldn't take the lifeline like what? What the hell? Now, all of that said, Pat, I think it is time for us to play the B or not the B, because speaking of what the hell, right? Right. All right. Hit me with a headline. All righty. Martha's Vineyard takes revenge on DeSantis by shipping him 50 Karens. Martha's Vineyard <laughs> takes revenge on this by shifting him, shipping him 50 Karens. Is this the B or not the B? That is the question. What are you thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks? It's Monday. If you like me at all, I am not a morning person. Andrew obviously is. And I, I attribute that to uh, American Pride Roasters being in Andrew's coffee cup just about every morning. Mm. So if you haven't gone there yet and you need that Monday morning pick me up on your way to work, I highly suggest by supporting a small local business like American Pride Roasters. Uh, they have all sorts of different kinds of great flavors over there. So if you have a like, if you like the uh, specially flavored coffees, or if you just like your standard type coffee, they, they've got all sorts of stuff. Plus, they've got coffee drops. All you need to do is go to AmericanPrideRoasters.com, select what you want, get your order in, they'll ship it right to you. That's AmericanPrideRoasters.com, AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Martha's Vineyard takes revenge on DeSantis by shipping him 50 Cairns. Is this the B or not the B? Andrew Coppins, your answer. Um, Scott Pelley to Joe Biden for the softball. This is definitely the Babylon B. Now, before you get into the story, Pat, I have I have a really funny one for you involving Cairns. Okay. So, number one, we were watching the Michigan State-Washington uh, game on Saturday night. And my my wife is is a hilarious football watcher because she like picks up bits and pieces of like the history of the game or like players or coaches and where they've been or not been and then just decides to insert them in random moments of the game and then I I just look at her like what what is going on I no but even she noticed the Mark Jones, um, RG3 uh, combination, right? Robert Griffin III, I think, is actually a pretty good overall color commentator. At least he has been. But the pairing with Mark Jones, it becomes like, you know, the locker room talk hour. It's like, what we're not here to show off your hip-hop credentials there, Mark Jones. Not only that, but Mark Jones is a flaming freaking racist. Um, and, and I can't believe they give him any sort of primetime air. He is an awful announcer, by the way. Like, he is literally Gus Johnson uh, wannabe material. That's all he is. Gus Johnson can bring the culture references. Gus Johnson can bring pop culture, right? But he does it in a fun and I was gonna say, like, Gus authentic Johnson, way. 
Gus Johnson can bring it in a very fun way too. Like, like he's, he's a very, I, I, sometimes I get annoyed by how intense he gets during games, but like, mm-hmm. I, I'd almost rather have that than just listening. Like, I don't know if you listen to the guys on the Ohio state Toledo game the other night. No, <gasps> they won't. They almost put me to sleep. I mean, yeah. that game was, yeah. Yeah. A sleeper anyway, but right. Right. Uh, you know, uh, so my my druthers with this, but anyway, there was a point in time where they showed a shot into the Michigan State visiting crowd, right? Yeah. And there's just this, she's got to be in college or just out of college, right? And she's just got this, like, look of, like, not just resting bitch face, but also, like, um, I don't know how to describe it other than literally I just turned to my wife and said, Future Karen of America. That should have been the the cryon uh, below her. I'm like, I guarantee you her name is Karen, but also Future Karen of America. Like, literally, it's a poster child. She's got, like, the the ultra-liberal, like, get-up of college women, right? But also the resting you-know-what face and the uh, look of disgust on her face. Like, that's a Future Karen right there. And my wife literally did a spit take. Uh, Washington fan or Michigan State? Michigan State. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a Michigan State fan. Yeah, they they had quite a few visiting fans, which, by the way, that's on my bucket list is uh, if Wisconsin plays Washington in Washington in my lifetime uh, to to go sailgating. uh, Yes, please. All right. Fair enough. But anywho, um, I thought (laughs) that was absolutely apropos. Literally, both of us, my wife was like, that's funny. And I spit taked. Because I was thinking the exact same thing. Holy Karen vibes. <laughs> wow. Well, um, you were correct about this being the uh, Babylon Bee, by the way. Shock. Uh, outraged at having been sent 50 illegal immigrants from Florida by Ron DeSantis, Martha's Vineyard has ultimately ta- taken revenge on the governor by excuse me, shipping him 50 Karens to Florida. Perhaps now DeSantis will think twice before these he sullies our pristine white island with brown migrant people, Jeez. said Martha. <laughs> Excuse me. Bless uh, you. Bless you. Bless the, you. The, the, this, this article is making me sneeze. Um, couldn't uh, be the allergies, so huh? Martha's, huh? What, what? Couldn't be the allergies to... Uh, it couldn't, it yeah. couldn't possibly be. Oh. Yeah, it couldn't, couldn't possibly be that. Uh, said Martha's Vineyard a- HOA president Karen Von Schnitzel. <laughs> Once the charter uh, flight filled with the neighborhood most insufferable Karens torches down in Tallahassee, he will rue the day he made us look like heartless racists in front of the entire country. The group of 50 Karens was selected from 478 Karens who volunteered for the flight as most women who live on the island are named Karen. Hopefully the political stunt will help the Satan see the air of his ways, said HOA Vice President Karen Bonahan. If not, we'll send even more. There are plenty more Karens where that came from. Once the Karens land in Florida, they have been instructed Instructed to wreak havoc on the locals by walking into establishments and demanding to see the manager, calling the police on on black joggers and driving slowly in the left lane. Locals have mobilized to prepare the onslaught by building walls and sandbags and boarding up windows. 
At publishing time, DeSantis confirmed the Karens had been apprehended by the Florida National Guard and were on their way to Gitmo. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, so there's a lot of things that we could talk about when it comes to this whole Martha's Vineyard, uh, sending 50 people here, sending thousands of people to, you know, uh, also the video of uh, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, the fake video of Kamala Harris when she finds uh, she sees her campaign bus for the first time and it's the Texas Border Patrol bus, by the way. Great on Greg Abbott for continuing to drop people like literally a block away from her house. <laughs> He's continuing to do that every day, by the way. I think it's fantastic political theater. But more importantly, I, I have to ask a question about humanity. Because uh, reason actually brings up, I think, an interesting question. If Ron DeSantis hates communism, reads the uh, headline, he shouldn't weaponize victims of communism. And I just want to read a little bit of what he's talking about here, because uh, the uh, the person, excuse me, she, uh, Fiona Harrigan, writes the following. In May, Republican Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed a bill establishing a, quote, Victims of Communism Day in his state to, quote, honor the hundreds of millions of people who have suffered under communist regimes across the world. While it is fashionable in some circles to whitewash the history of communism, DeSantis said in the statement, Florida will stand for truth and remain as a beachhead for freedom. Now, obviously, there's a big um, connection to the Cuban population and its fight against communism in in Florida, right? Uh, we know that. There's also a Venezuelan population, and I'm going to get into that in a second. Because it continues saying that one would assume that promise would extend to migrants fleeing economic ruin and humanitarian turmoil in Venezuela, a country that DeSantis has decried for its communist regime. But with DeSantis's decision this week to fly around 50 Venezuelan migrants to Martha's Vineyard, the governor's commitment to supporting the victims of crushing left-wing regimes is questionable. It continues to say that the more details emerge about the Mar Martha's Vineyard stunt, the clearer it becomes that DeSantis has chosen to view migrants as a punishment to be inflicted on blue states. Florida officials, quote, very intentionally chose not to call ahead of to any single office author or yeah, office authority on Martha's Vineyard so that even the most basic human needs uh, arrangements could be made. Rachel Self, an immigration attorney, shared with reporters on Martha's Vineyard. First of all, uh, this is the problem I have with some things that Reason puts out there. Rachel Self, if you look her up, Pat, she is a left-wing activist who happens to be an immigration attorney. Why, why, why are you taking what she has to say at face value? And secondly, we have seen places, we see the federal government do what? This to whom? Rural America. We have seen them bus, fly, bus and fly, people all over the country after they quote unquote process them at the border, right? And then just release them into the interior of the country. So without warning, without any idea that this is happening, and it's not happening in big cities, it's happening in rural America. You you know, you go to rural Iowa and you see a bunch of, you know, some of the best um Hispanic food you've ever seen right best mexican food some of the best cuban food is in rural iowa how the hell is that oh it happens because 
the federal government has dropped their asses off there. So I want to be clear on this. Now that it's happening to the elite and now that it's happening to the rich and it's happening to the places that claim sanctuary status, right? They proudly will put that on their, their yard signs and in their windows and on their bumper stickers, right? Now that they're confronted with the reality of what the people in McAllen, Texas, which by the way, Pat, did you know this? The stated population of McAllen, Texas was 35,000, almost 36,000. Do you know how many migrants this year have entered McAllen, Texas? Uh, I'm going to go about 35,000. Almost 50,000. So almost... So at least one and a half times the population of that Mm -hmm. entire city on the border. Martha's Vineyard, do you understand the crisis and the the utter lack of response from the federal government now? Do you understand it? That that to me is the point of this. This isn't a political stunt necessarily. And we have some questions that we want to get through here. So maybe we can ask them, Pat. But overall, I just... I think it's an interesting argument, right? Why are you weaponizing victims of communism when you claim that you hate communism? Interesting question. Now, I had a set of questions for you, and I'm going to start here. Is this actually, Patty, purely purely political stunt by those red state governors? Or is it actually just them making a plea to highlight and using this as a highlight making a plea to the federal government to do its job. Could it be it's both? both? It's both. Okay. Uh, and, and the reason why I say it's both is because, I mean, if they do this right. I mean, it gives them ammo election time. So it is okay. political theater to some degree. Okay. Uh, the other side of this would be is, uh, no, it's not. This is this is a plea to not just the federal government, but I think to other places that are in favor of sanctuary cities, that are in favor of more of the open borders, to to start feeling some of the pain of some of these border states, right? So I, I don't think that that is necessarily political theater. However, the question I would have here is, especially for those like like people in Martha's Vineyard that are complaining about this, why is it? people like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott, uh, why is it their responsibility and their state's responsibility to take on all of these migrants? Why, why, why can't they ship them around to other places in the country, especially for places that seem like they should be the most welcoming based on their policies that they vote for, for illegal immigration? <clears throat> why wouldn't they want that? And why, yeah. is, it, why is it the responsibility? I mean that that is a that is a very valid point, right? And I think that's exactly what they're trying to highlight is that the federal government is shirking its duties. The federal government has a a a couple of basic duties, right? That basic duty is a common defense, which would include our border, by the way, all both right. of them, right? And what else, Pat? What else do they? Oh, money. Yeah. Right? Common defense, a common currency, and they're shirking the basic duty of the common defense, which is to protect our border. Now, 
Right. As a libertarian, Pat, we have we talked about this a little bit off air, and I don't want to go deep down this rabbit hole, but do I understand the libertarian point of view when it comes to immigration? Yes. And the libertarian viewpoint when it comes to immigration is not one of humanitarianism necessarily. It is not one of of law versus illegal entry. Because the libertarian position is that people should be free as individuals to make a choice as to whom they want to work for wherever they want to work. And the only role that government should have in that process is verifying identity, right? Is to verify whether or not they meet a basic requirement to enter the country. Now, I would also argue that because of the technological society that we live in, the connected world in which we live in, we should be revisiting how we look at immigration, period. If somebody is living in Thailand, right, or somebody is living in Kathmandu, right, or somebody is living in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, right, and they want to work for name a company in America, right? How, how many of us are working remote in America right now? About 70, 80% of us, right? Okay. So if that company has remote jobs, what is it the business of the government in the United States of America to dictate how, who they can hire and where they work? Well, it's you, you can argue tax purposes. Okay, so all they have to do then is file and you have to pay American taxes and taxes where, you know, the company pays the American taxes and that person pays their taxes where they live. Right? I Like, I don't, I don't understand why we can't have a conversation about how our immigration system, number one, is broken. And I think this is a, this is a political stunt, you're right, but it's also is is a conversation starter because we have a broken immigration system. We see CNN and MSNBC and all these people going to Martha's Vineyard and decrying all this shit, right? But El Paso, Texas, we have people living under a bridge as they're migrants. It's a Democrat city living under a bridge, folks. No tents, no nothing. Um, that's our federal government right there. And so, so I guess I understand the libertarian point of view, I guess, is that we're 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 not even looking at this from a from a right perspective. The perspective should be if I am a human being and I want to work or live in America to work, right? As long as I have that employment contract and I meet certain basic standards, right? Like I don't have convictions for murder or whatever because we see this right, at the right. border all the time, right? I'm not saying you don't have standards. What I am saying is that you have enforceable standards, right? And that enforceable standard is do I have a valid employment contract? Can I verify that contract? And can I verify your identity? And if I can do those three things and you meet the the eligibility requirement of your employer and yourself, um, what? why can't I go through that immigration process? Can we take in everybody in the world? No. But you no. know what would solve that? Is the fact that we have a finite amount of jobs. We don't have infinite jobs, right? Right. And would it behoove people – and we're not even talking about the lowest of the low-hanging fruit jobs. We're talking about people who would come here to do high-end research, to do 
big time jobs that pay big time money, right? We're talking about people that of all stripes. It turns out that we would have a problem competing likely as Americans because our education system sucks. But it should be an employer who makes that decision. And it should be an employee and an employer making that decision wherever and however they want in an economy that is global. There's no going backwards. If we go backwards in our economy, we're going to end up like China. We're going to end up like Sub-Saharan Africa. We're going to go backwards 600, 800 years to feudalism, to monarchical societies, to literal classes. Now you can argue there are classes in a capitalistic society, but you get to move up and down the ladder. There was no moving up and down the ladder unless you were extremely, extremely lucky. So are we even willing to have the right conversation in America, Pat, is my question. I don't I don't think we're in a place that we are. I think I think the two sides of, of the political aisle are, are too polarized to even remotely have a reasonable conversation about this. Um, I, I really like your point of, hey, if they've got a contract to work here, they don't have any prior records of, of like, you know, serious crimes and things like that. There, there really shouldn't be a problem here. Um, you can you know, still have a physical they, border, by the way, right? Right, right, right. But, but we're allowing them to come in to contribute to our society, right? And, and and what I said to you off air is like, can't we create a system? And I think this is a great, at least a great starting point, mm-hmm. um, is, is can we create an immigration system, an immigration policy that allows both justice and mercy to meet from an American point of view, because we want, we want justice in terms of like, Hey, we want people to follow the law, right? We want people to come here and respect our values, but we also want to be merciful to those that are fleeing very bad situations and and are trying to, to get out of that. In, in part of the problem is that people are abusing that mercy. Right. Right. Um, We have a, an asylum system that's broken. We have an immigration system that's broken. It's all broken. It's all broken. Here's the problem. Much as I have talked about with with Team GOP when it comes to issues of culture, issues of of religion, issues of pro-life versus – and then the gay marriage situation, right? They, They don't want to solve the issue because it's an issue in which they get to do what? Raise money rail against the other side and both sides do this right they don't want to solve these right. issues because no, if they, they do their cash cow goes away they're not interested in let's have this conversation as american let's figure out a system that can be both justful merciful and a third thing expedient because that's what's really causing this problem is that we don't have a system that's easy to understand easy to navigate and more importantly easy to adjudicate, right? I mean, this is the problem, right? We, we could hire 50,000, those 87,000 border agents by, or uh, IRS agents, if you turn them into immigration officials, or, or not I- officials, but immigration judges, we might be able to get to the backlog in five years of asylum seekers and um, people who are supposed to um, appear before court, right? To To right. adjudicate their status, if you will. It would take five years and over 100,000 more 
immigration judges to do that, by the way, according to latest statistics. That's a problem. We don't have that kind of time. We don't have that kind of money. We don't have that kind of uh, power, nor should we be giving the federal government that kind of power. We have technology. We have all sorts of ways that we could deal with this at, at, and solve it, right? We do, but we're not willing to have that discussion because what people fear is the, the libertarian open borders, right? Or the the left open border. The libertarian open border, as far as I understand it, there are people who believe in the leftist versions of open borders, by the way, in the libertarian party. But by and large, the, the process or the, the belief in the libertarian side of open borders is not so much that the border itself is just wide open and come as you please. It is that as long as there is a contractual agreement between employer and employee, between an individual and an economic goal, it should be individual based. And we're not doing that. We are, we have such a broken system when it comes to, you know, attracting the best and brightest, when it comes to whatever. That's the open border policy that they want. They want to be able to quickly have somebody come here or stay where they are, but be employed in America, right? Like that, that, that's rising tide, right? We talk about that. There's a rising tide, right? Well, we're going to pay you the same wage or similar wages to what people in America are making, but you can live wherever you currently are. Same thing with an American, right? If we see this all the time right now, um, in fact, in Mexico City, there's a bunch of protests going on with all the expats, all the Americans who are living there while working remote for American companies. And they're doing it because the cost of living, especially for people that lived in California, is about, I don't know, a hundred times less, right? So they're making the same amount of money because they're li they're working for an American company as they were making in California, but they're living on like a hundred times less in terms of their daily and monthly expenses. That's just smart on their part, right? That, that's a smart economic decision. And we need to treat immigration as an economic situation. We are stuck in the 1800s when it comes to our immigration policy, where it is about what, Pat? It's not about economics. It's not about the world as it is today. It's not about being nimble. Back then, it was about what? Population. Right. It was about um, ethnicity, if you will. It was about bringing your poor, your huddled masses, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? How do you rise all tie? You know what I mean? Like, how do you do that? It's an economic situation. We have to treat it as an economic situation, and we're not. How do you solve a border crisis like this, right? You make it unattractive to... Do it illegally. You make it attractive to do it legally, right? And you make it really harsh, by the way, like Mexico does, if you do it illegally. The only thing Mexico hasn't really done is, by the way, if this is a migrant caravan and you're going to the United States of America, we'll happily allow that and not have to deal with you at our border, right? I just, I struggle mightily to understand why. We cannot fix this from an economic standpoint. I really do, Pat. And with that, um, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And hey, boo-boo!
How about a picnic basket? <laughs> Please be smart. Be safe. Be kind. As always, the bears still suck. And Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.